DuckDuckGo's new browser is starting to roll out, hospital robots are vulnerable to hacking, two exciting Proton updates, and more. Welcome to Surveillance Report 84, where we're dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news in the past week. I am Henry from TechLore. I have been sick this week, so my voice might sound a little weird. I don't know if it sounds weird, but it did yesterday, so work with me this week. I am Nathan from The New Oil, and I'm getting hit with allergies, so I might also be in Henry's boat with the voice thing. Yeah, we're, we're doing great. We're going to work through <laughs> it. And you know what else is doing great? Our new Patreon. We already have nine of you there, which is awesome. We set an initial goal for 25. However, we just did our first Q&A and we didn't get any responses from our first patrons. And so um, we want to do a Q&A. And so the idea behind this is at the end of every report, we answer one, maybe a few questions, depending on how long they take. We want it to be quick. They're like maybe 30 seconds at, at the end of each report where we answer a question. But we didn't get any answers this week. So like if you join our Patreon and you have any questions to ask us, you have like a direct opportunity to do that pretty much right now. And also there's tons of other perks, like you don't have to hear these segments because we publish the segment-free versions of these episodes in both audio and video format for our patrons as well. So yeah, check out our Patreon, lots of cool perks there, and uh, we really welcome everyone and we want to hit that 25 goal and you can directly help. All right, so we're going to start with the highlight story this week, which definitely hit a lot of headlines. Most people know DuckDuckGo for their search engine. They do have a mobile app though, which is their web browser. And now they're introducing a Mac web browser. They're calling it a private, fast, and secure browsing app. Today, which was April 12th, they said they were excited to announce the beta launch for DuckDuckGo for Mac with DuckDuckGo for Windows coming soon. This comes as a default with DuckDuckGo search, tracker blocker, cookie op-up protection on, about 50% of sites and growing, one-click data clearing, email forwarding plugins, HTTPS everywhere via their smarter encryption, and more. This uses the Mac's built-in website rendering engine, which is the same one Safari uses. And for those who want some technical uh, background, that's WebKit, which is an open source uh, thing. So it actually is based on an open source rendering engine. They do claim to be faster than Chrome on some graphics performance, and they also use 60% less data than Chrome. It is worth mentioning that a large part of this stat likely comes from the content that's being blocked. So you'll see Brave and other browsers and extensions make similar claims, and that's mainly where that seems to come from. All your history, bookmarks, and passwords are stored locally and not sent to DuckDuckGo. And unfortunately, we were unable to test this. It does require a waitlist for the mobile app right now. So yes, you have to download the mobile app for some reason, and then join the waitlist from there to download it on your desktop, which I am not a fan of and is the reason I did not join the waitlist. I'm sure Nate might have comments too, but I don't know. I think more options are always good, but I just can't find any use case and threat model where this seems genuinely useful for anyone. You can actually install the DuckDuckGo Privacy Essentials extension in Safari, which is going to emulate pretty much everything except the DuckDuckGo features, like their forwarding plugin and things like that. I, don't, I just can't find a good use case for it. There's Brave, there's Firefox, there's Tor Browser. I, I just don't know what this brings to the table, uh, but I think more options are always good. I guess if there's anybody out there who trusts DuckDuckGo but not Brave, I guess this could be a, a good option for them. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like, more options are always good. I think it's kind of redundant, but I don't necessarily think it's bad, so... If anybody wants to use it, good for them. With that, we're gonna go ahead and jump into our data breaches section, and we're gonna start with the tool maker, Snap-on. Snap-on is an American tool manufacturer, as I said, and they disclosed a data breach claimed by the Conti ransomware gang. This took place between March 1st and 3rd and involved, quote, associate and franchisee data, unquote, which included names, social security numbers, dates of birth, and employee ID numbers. They are offering one year of identity theft protection as a result. That's pretty much it. There was an access control vulnerability in a company called Easy Appointments, 
and this was from a platform that exposed sensitive personal data. So this was discovered by Francesco Carlucci, I think that's how you say it, of OpenCert. He found that easy appointments lacked authentication for one of their backend APIs, which allowed him to pull data like phone numbers, physical addresses, and other uh, points of data of the users. Uh, this has been fixed, but remember to be aware of online forms and remember that pretty much everything you do um, likely integrates with other third party services. So there's just a long, really a long list of people you have to trust for most things that you that you use day to day, unfortunately. That was all we had in terms of data breaches. So we're going to go ahead and move into companies this week. It's a little bit of a lighter week, but there's some good stories with some good substance. So our first story is really interesting. It comes from Apple. It says Apple's privacy rules leave its engineers in the dark. I'm going to go ahead and quote the article here. Apple doesn't collect a lot of customer data from its services, including Apple Maps, the Siri voice assistant, and its paid video streaming service, according to more than a dozen former employees. And the customer data it does collect from products like the App Store and Apple Music aren't widely accessible to employees who work on those and other projects products these people said that makes it difficult for Apple to mimic popular features developed by its competitors, which collect more data and have fewer restrictions on employee access to such information, they said. I think this is just really interesting because, um, you know, obviously we don't think Apple's a perfect company. We do have some complaints with some of their, their stuff, but it does show that Apple is actually more private than a lot of their competitors, like Android, for example, and, uh, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all that. So... Um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting to get that kind of confirmation, especially me. I'll be the first one to admit, I've always assumed that Apple was collecting just as much information as Google, but just not selling ads with it. And apparently that is not the case, according to people who actually worked there. Obviously, we're not saying that Apple is the best. I, I think we would both agree that something like a, a Calyx phone or something like that would be considerably better. But it is good to know that Apple is not the worst decision you could possibly make. On the topic of worst decisions you could possibly make, though, we have Meta, who is actually doing something good for once. <laughs> we'll, we'll give them that. So Meta is going to stop uh, users from sharing private residential information on their platform. Meta is ending an exception to its existing rules that allow users to post private residential information on people on its platform if it was publicly available elsewhere which is interesting because I don't know if they still have this, but back in the day, they used to have a field where you could actually put in your home address. This will be implemented by the end of the year and will cover photos of the outside of private homes. So if somebody posts a photo of their house, then uh, I guess they're not allowed to do that anymore. They will also make exceptions to the photo of a house thing if the property is the focus of a news story. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess that's something. The goal of this is, of course, to try and prevent doxing. That's what they've said. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how much they enforce this and if they enforce it at all, to be totally honest. But good on them for trying, I guess. We're gonna move over into T-Mobile who has secretly bought its customer data from hackers to stop the leak. Really weird strat. We're, we're starting to see some really funny strats lately. Um, and uh, the last part of the headline, it failed. So the title says it all, T-Mobile hired a third party company to handle their latest data leak on behalf of them but not like formally, and they attempted to buy that leaked data from the hackers in exchange for exclusivity. It didn't work because the data still got exposed because the attacker did not honor their word and continued to sell the data despite the agreement. So not only did T-Mobile completely disobey what everyone says to do, which is pay the ransom for the data, but they also did that while trying to play this sneak game which didn't even end up working anyway so t-mobile lots of fails here um i don't know why they decided to try to do this it's really unfortunate and also t-mobile has been a victim of a lot of data breaches recently so they've really gone downhill with their privacy uh, image for sure 
And finally, we'd like to remind you, Microsoft April 2022 Patch Tuesday fixes 119 flaws as well as two zero days and 10 critical vulnerabilities. Check the article for a full list, use automatic updates or manually update ASAP. All right, that'll do it for the companies. And now we're going to move into research. And we've got a couple of really interesting stories this week. Our first one kind of made the rounds. The headline says autonomous robot used in hundreds of hospitals at risk of remote hijacks. So I'm going to go ahead and quote the article here. Enter autonomous hospital robots, the supposed to be friendly, self-controlled digital workhorses that can transport medications, bed linens, foods, and laboratory specimens across a hospital campus. These robots, such as the ones built by automaker Athon, are equipped with the space to transport critical goods and security access to enter restricted parts of the hospital and ride elevators all while cutting labor costs. Researchers at Scenario, a cybersecurity startup focused on securing hospital and healthcare systems, discovered a set of five never-before-seen vulnerabilities in Athon robots, which they say allowed malicious hackers to remotely hijack and control these autonomous robots, and in some cases over the internet. So these vulnerabilities are actually not problems with the robots themselves, but with the servers, and they they allow for remote takeover and camera access with a, quote, very low skill set for exploitation. So basically, you don't really have to be, uh, you know, super elite hacker, hacker man in order to do this. Guests on the hospital network can even view camera feeds and schedules without needing a password. And one vulnerability allows them to fully control the robots. They can call elevators, they can interact with door locks, and they can open medication drawers. Risk can be mitigated by keeping the server in-house so that the bot never really needs full internet access. And Athon has patched these vulnerabilities, but it's unclear how many customers have installed those patches. You know, uh, that's always the big trouble is getting people to update. We just talked about that, automatic updates. So, uh, you know, things are being rushed out to market and... Uh, unfortunately, that can result in some problems, but thankfully, at least this one was fixed. A lot of the times they aren't. And our second and final research article, very quick, ransom DDoS attacks have dropped to record lows this year. So according to Cloudflare, their customers reported 28% of DDoS attacks came with a ransom in December of 2021. In January 2022, that dropped to 17%, then 6% in February and 3% in March. The reason is unclear. It's unclear if this has to do with just general DDoS attacks or if just specifically ransom DDoS attacks aren't becoming as popular. But there you go. That's the stat. All right. With that, we're going to move into politics. And once again, it's a little bit of a shorter section this week. We only got two stories. The first one will probably irritate you no matter what side of the political aisle you're on. It says the Biden administration is giving cell phones to illegal immigrants. The purpose is to track them until their court proceedings. The phones are part of a program that also uses voice print, facial recognition, and GPS ankle bracelets. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that the program has resulted in an increased number of uh, immigrants actually showing up to court when they were scheduled. Interestingly, she also dodged a question about people possibly throwing the phones away. <laughs> I also have some questions about the phones themselves and what information is being collected. Like, are they strictly just requiring people to check in and then like, you know, sending them a reminder for their court date? Are they also collecting contacts and like text messages? And my money says yes, but of course they didn't really go into detail. So yeah, um, that's interesting. And uh, it's an interesting approach. And I guess it's just worth being aware of. Up next, the ACMA, which is the Australian Media and Communications Authority, is targeting SIM swap scams with new industry rules. So for those who don't know, SIM swapping is pretty much when someone impersonates you to obtain your SIM card. And this typically happens 
uh, to obtain 2FA codes that are sent via SMS and things like that. And a lot of times similar attacks are done, like they social engineer cell companies to impersonate you to obtain any kind of credentials for your account or necessary permissions. So the new rules require stronger identity checks, including the use of government online verification services, multi-factor identification, and biometric data. This applies to high-risk transactions such as SIM, SIM swap requests, changes to accounts, or the disclosure of personal information. To enforce the new rules, ACMA will be granted the power to commence court proceedings against tel telecoms who breach the outlined requirements. I think it's good they're trying to target this problem in the name of security, but they're trying to target this problem in inherently a very unprivate way that actually now requires a higher degree of security since a lot of these companies now need to collect even more information on their users. Honestly, one thing that was reading this that this made me really consider is it's interesting when we try to fix security or privacy issues in the world, but in a convenient manner, because I feel like a lot of times when we try to combine those two ideas, we get situations like this. There's no shortcut to better security and privacy. Like there has to be some sacrifice on convenience, otherwise this kind of stuff happens. With that, we will move into our free and open source software section, FOSS News, and we're going to start with two very exciting stories out of Proton. The first one comes from Proton VPN, who had a external audit that confirmed their no logs policy. The audit was done by Securitum, a quote, leading European security auditing company that oversees more than 300 security testing projects every year for major corporations and banks, unquote. The full report is available in the article, so make sure you go read it. Our second Proton story comes from the calendar side where Proton Calendar has finally released for Android, and I think this is an independent app. Proton says that for those who don't know, their calendar has, it's already been out for a while, it's just been desktop only. All event details are fully encrypted and this new app will feature multiple time zones. So if I put something in on the app and I'm sharing that event with somebody else and they're in a different time zone, it'll automatically adjust the time zone for us both. You can do multiple notifications for upcoming events like email, uh, app, so you never miss it. Dark mode, a home screen widget for a quick snapshot of your calendar, which I think is super, super cool. And you can change the view between day, schedule, and month. Uh, doesn't look like week is in there quite yet. You can also, this is really cool. Um, so my partner uh, downloaded this same day. She was actually super, super excited about it. Downloaded it, tried it out. She, first thing she told me is you can very easily import your Google Calendar, which is what she did. They call it the easy switch. Apparently it takes like three clicks, drags everything in and you're immediately ready to go. One thing she also noted, I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently she's very excited about it. You can change event colors without making a whole new calendar. So. Um, if you want one thing like date nights, if you want those to be red, but you want your work schedule to be blue, you can do that without making a whole new calendar just for date nights. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, she's, I'm probably going to hop on this. I, you know, I might, I'm thinking about it. I've been using Nextcloud, but my team is asking for something that we can all share. So I'm going to look into Proton. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it sounds pretty cool. She's already like fully hundred percent on board committed. She loves it. So I'll probably look into it too. Our next story, Raspberry Pi has removed the default user to hinder brute force attacks. So this is a title says it all before installing, uh, you could opt in, you, sorry, you could opt to use a default username and password in setting up a Pi for the first time. This option has been removed and you are prompted to make a unique local account. Existing users can rename the root if they want to get this added security. This is pretty much just to prevent people using default information, which can be used in just basic attacks. I know I saw somebody this morning on Reddit who was asking like, 
uh, they signed up for a website and they were like, use a unique username, try not to reuse a username. And they were basically like, I don't understand why I've never seen this advice before. And this raspberry Pi thing is exactly why if you use the same username everywhere, then an attacker can guess your username and that's half the login. And you know, when you have defaults like raspberry Pi and the default username is always Pi, then it just, they already have half the login right there. So yeah, no, I, I think that's totally accurate. And the other layer to it too is there's a lot of open source intelligence websites that tell you every service that certain for... usernames are registered for. So like, yep. let's say your username is um, I love ponies. You can type in <laughs> I love ponies on a lot of these sites and it'll show you every website, like every major website, every social media site, every email provider that uses that username. And so it's very easy to see all the services that a person uses just based on the username. So switch it up. Um, Actually, and also if you're, using like what i was just gonna say i actually used one of those when i first got into privacy because you know one of the things michael basil recommends is like go through and find all your old accounts and delete old accounts and yeah i went and found one of those websites and just typed in like every every one of the like three or four usernames i used to use all the time and up next open ssh 9.0 bakes in post quantum cryptography to future proof against attacks so they are really thinking ahead and i'm curious how often we're going to see that headline come out the next few years with that, we'll move into our final section, Misfits. And we're gonna start off with a story, YouTube channels of Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, Harry Styles, and other musicians compromise. This uh, particular story happened because Vivo was compromised and Vivo for all of these artists was also synced with their YouTube account. So the, the labels would upload to Vivo and then it would get pushed out to YouTube. So the reason we're sharing this, as always a reminder that this can happen to anyone. Do not think that you are immune to things going wrong and also to be be careful of syncs you know it's it's convenient and helpful and i'm not saying don't sync up services it's very very helpful to have certain things synced up where they just push data automatically but do be aware that that's a risk and that if the one thing gets compromised that can lead to a compromise of the other thing it's worth reading the article alone just to w read the recap of this scam it was really weird yeah i just wanted to, i wanted to throw in here this has literally been happening for like months or years now and it's the same exact thing and i'm just i'm like what's wrong with people like is there seriously not a solution for this and like it's kind of scary to me too because these are like huge names these are some of the most rich famous people on the planet and they're not even being given priority security, it seems like, from these companies. So I, I don't know why we expect any different for ourselves. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing for me is, um, so I, uh, in my younger days, I was very heavily involved with the local music scene. And so I knew a few bands that happened to be like getting successful and, and growing up. One of them had their Facebook accounts hacked, like their band Facebook or whatever. They fought for weeks and I think maybe even months to get their Facebook back. Like Facebook was absolutely useless, which I'm sur sure surprises no one here. And this band was like, they were mid-level. Like they were on Warp Tour a couple times. Uh, they had a label. Like, I think they've even toured internationally a few times. Like they were not a nobody band. Like granted they weren't, you know, Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber, but they were a, a decent sized band. And even them, Facebook was just like, yeah, whatever. We don't care about you. Screw off. And so like, to me, that's the big thing is like, if these big bands are, and these big names are having trouble with this stuff, that's just all the more incentive for you to take your stuff seriously. Because if you've never been on Warp Tour, which granted Warp Tour doesn't exist anymore, but point being, if you're not at that level and your Facebook account gets hacked, you're just screwed they're absolutely not gonna give you the time of day. So defend your stuff, man, because these companies don't care about you. 
Up next, very short story. Uh, well, it's not a short story. You should read into it because it's a good story, but the takeaway is really short and we're going to keep it short. So it's called Inside the Bitcoin Bus That Took Down the Web's Biggest Child Abuse Site. And it's a long article, but we really recommend reading it because it goes into the history of Bitcoin as well as blockchain analysis and how Bitcoin just simply isn't private. Even with the extra layers that we're seeing with the Lightning Network, there's still so many um, holes to poke and we're seeing a lot of these things happen. And there's actually a lot of chain analysis happening at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of drama regarding Wasabi and some of these other services. So, yeah, why don't we just use something with privacy by default, which is why we very much like Monero. All right. And our last story is really interesting. It says Android banking malware intercepts calls to customer support. So they're calling this a fake calls uh, Trojan, I believe it is. And it masquerades as I believe it's a specific banking app in South Korea, although we may see this more now since it's been so successful. And basically it intercepts calls to customer support and reroutes them to the criminals. What's really interesting is the criminals went out of their way to make this seem super realistic. Like they recorded some uh, generic sounding, you know, we're experiencing high call volume, please stay on the line. This call may be recorded. Like they, they went through the whole spiel to make this thing super convincing. So originally when I read this, my question in my brain was, is this only work if you call from the app? Because you know, a lot of the times in the app, they'll list the customer support number, you can click on it. The answer is no. Quoting the article, fake calls mobile banking Trojan can do this because at the moment of installation, it asks for several permissions that give it access to the contact list, microphone, camera, geolocation, and call handling. Which um, other than contact list, that actually sounds like some reasonable stuff that a banking app would ask for. You know, uh, microphone, and uh, call handling in case you need to call in, geolocation to find an ATM, camera to upload checks. Permissions are very, very dangerous. They're very, very powerful. Beware what permissions you give apps. And of course, make sure you are getting the right app in the first place. Always vet an app if you actually need it. Vet it, make sure it's the right one, and just be careful. That's some scary stuff. And that is going to finish out our news this week. Again, DuckDuckGo has that new browser on macOS, which is in private beta. Hospital robots are vulnerable to hacking. We got some exciting Proton updates and a lot more news this week. So we were going to do our first Q&A where essentially we ask our patrons, really, they can ask us anything. It could be about one of the stories that we're gonna talk about this week. It can be about a previous story. It could be a general privacy and security question. It can be something personal. It can be just anything. It can be about the world. Um, we really just want to answer at least one person's question every week. It's something cool that we think would be fun to engage with all of you, um, especially our patrons. Um, but we don't have any Q&As this week, and we really want some. So again, join our Patreon. Uh, we are very short in numbers right now. We have nine awesome people, but we want to hit our first goal of 25, and we want to have a Q&A next week. So definitely tag along and ask those questions, because we want some questions. We want to thank you for listening to the surveillance support. We're happy to know you're out there trying to stay safe. And the final thing we want to ask you to do is to share the podcast around because that helps us spread privacy to more and more people. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening in from and give a rating if that's an option. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.